Hi, I'm Sam Simon, and I'm the grandpa, and I always think deep. Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering, in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep? Hello, Emily. Hi, Grandpa. Hi. I wanted to wish you it as part of my greeting, Shalom Tova, an easy fast starting on Sunday for Yom Kippur and for a year full of life and joy and good. And if I've done Same to, you. Uh, to hurt you Same and to, to do anything wrong, I apologize. Don't remind me what they are, but I'll promise never to do it. <laughs> I believe you. So. Those are traditional Jewish New Year and Yom Kippur greetings. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you were down here for Rosh Hashanah down in, back at home. I was. Yes, I was. What's your plans for Yom Kippur? That's a good question. I'm right now I'm planning on doing it with Hillel. A friend of mine actually invited me to her synagogue. I'm deciding whether or not I want to go to those services or not. We'll see. I've been so busy this week. Like, I was actually just thinking about, hmm, I need to figure out what I'm doing for that. But Hill does have a lot of great stuff, so I'm probably going to go there. But yeah, I've just been so busy this week. Now I'm finally like, oh, I have some time to like think about other things that are not just my next assignment. <laughs> well, actually, well, that is sort of a part of, of a theme, right? Starting things anew. You started a new semester. You're a what grade? A junior. In high school? No, college. <laughs> Oy vey. Well, congratulations for that accomplishment. I mean, it was not, okay, it was hard, but like, I, I don't know, it's not like I had to graduate. It's like you have to pass an exam to get into junior year. It's just a continuation of things I was already doing. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I, I got to say, I detect it was sort of a, a rougher start than some of the other years. I wonder if that's typical these days, their junior year. Is, was that the case for you? Well, in law school, hmm. They only had three years. They said the first year they scared you to death. The second year they worked you to death. And the third year they bored you to death. <laughs> now, you have four years. This sounds like a worked you to death year, maybe. I don't know. It's just been busy. Honestly, it's not that different from other semesters. Because mostly I'm taking 300-level classes so it's just like, I was also taking mostly 300 level classes as a sophomore even. So it's not like, I feel like there's not a huge distinguishment between the years, or at least for political science where you pretty much get to pick most of the classes that comprise of the major, like the classes for the major, like the engineers and stuff, they're like, oh, so you have to take these classes sophomore year, and then you take these classes junior year because it builds on what you took sophomore year. Political science isn't like that. Like there's a few core classes you need to take, but for the most part, you get to pick your courses. So I could pick a bunch of 400-level courses to take at once or a bunch of 300-level courses to take at once. So it's it's not like, oh, it's like this year is harder, this year. It really depends on the class that you pick for yourself. Good. And you got anything of particular interest this year that you're looking to do or study that you're excited about? What, what exactly do you mean by that? You, coursework. In, or, oh, coursework. Well, coursework is yes. project. No, coursework is exciting. <laughs> Well, I'm taking the class Refugees and Forced Migration, which has been very, very, very sad, but very interesting to learn about that stuff. Forced um, the professor that, yeah, Forced Migration. It's been with the professor that I really like. That's been nice. I'm um, taking science electives this semester. 
unless because I want to study abroad and so you don't know what courses you're going to get. So I can, it, by taking my science courses now, I can kind of leave the abroad courses open more for taking arts classes or political science classes in different combinations so I can be more heavy on one or the other. And I can have that flexibility in my schedules by not taking art or political science courses now, which would limit my ability to take things next semester. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if we've talked about it before, but you seem to be quite interested in traveling. You went to New Zealand. You've been to Israel before for high school. You like traveling? I do. What is it about the traveling part of it that I don't put words in your mouth that you find interesting that drives you to do it again? I just think it's so interesting to see how different people live, to see what it's like to be a person who lives in a different place, in a different cultural context. You can read all you want about a certain place, but you can never truly understand it until you go there and you see what it's like to live in a different, a certain way and to be able to go to different places and see different ways of existing in the world. I just think it's so interesting. And just being able to go in new places and see new things that are fascinating, interesting, and cool and beautiful and are not just what I... Like, if I... Even in, like, my day-to-day life, like... If I just look at the same things every day, if I'm going to the same buildings, like going to from like my dorm to classes, like on the same roads, looking at the same buildings and the same trees and the same everything, it gets tired. And then I go to like a new place. Like the other day I went to do a workout with the workout group that I'm part of in like a park. It's nearby. It's like only a few blocks from campus, but I don't, I've been there like once maybe, but it was like, a. it was going to a new place and it was seeing a new thing. And I was sitting in the grass and I could smell the grass that I don't normally smell and look at new trees. And it was pretty... Wow, like going to a new place and seeing a new thing that's different, it like made me feel like my life was less monotonous. It made me feel alive. <laughs> right. I mean, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Grandma sort of jumped it to the other end of it because I've been watching things in my real world. Not that yours isn't real. But what I love about it is your openness to the new being, as I'm interpreting it, being Letting the, the space affect your thoughts and feelings and... Being present. Being yeah. present, but also enjoying other people and cultures and curiosity. And like comparing that to some of the gross judgmentality of, of the battles going on, particularly in our schools and about books. And you know, I just learned, for example, how's this for radical different opposite sides the same question but i'm a shocked to learn that many libraries are being forced or on their own or leaving the american library association because the american library association promotes having a broad array of, of books available to people they actually libraries expect parents to curate their children rather than government or assistant curate the library that is reduced. Right. Everything is there for you, and you get to pick which of those things you want to read. And right. with your younger person, and it's only appropriate. I mean, yes, mark sections of, of the library, but rather than giving parents power, it is, in my mind, taking power away from parents and imposing a government belief system on everybody. I agree. And I think part of what makes it so important is that books. Like I was saying, like there's no way to know about a place until you go to it, but books can get you pretty darn close to understanding what it's like to be in a place. I feel like a good author who knows how to describe things in a certain way really has the ability to transport you to a place you've never been, to make it feel like you know people you've never met. I feel like books, more than any other form of media, because they can describe what goes on 
in someone's mind, they can point out certain details that make something important that like you might, if, if you're watching it in like a visual form of media, kind of look over and not see it as important, but they can explain, no, this is why this thing is important in this context and that setting. Like, I think books are such an important way of people being able to understand what it's like to be different and to be from a different place or a different culture. And I think that there's a desire among some people to only expose their children to one kind of culture and one kind of way of being, and this is the right way, and this is the only way, and everyone else is just wrong. But I have a question for you, which you can say you're not comfortable answering it, but have you ever read anything that had content that made you feel afraid, ashamed, or to think about things that you didn't know and thought, in some ways, you felt changed you to do something that was not age-appropriate or I hate the word wrong. I mean, but have you ever found reading a book threatening to you or make you want to do something unethical? I've never found a book threatening. What is it going to do? It's just there. What's a book going to do to me? It's just like but the idea papers is- that are put together. Like, I've never, the idea of fear of a book is just so weird to me. Like, what's going to do? It's just sitting there on the shelf. Like, what's, what's it? But no, but I'm talking about <laughs> the content, of course, and reading the book. When I say the book, the information in, having read it, you know, there is, it was on our listserv today, the Arlington Library is having somebody talk about this book, Maus, M A U S, which is about the Holocaust. And apparently it's become some folks consider it controversial because they don't think it should be available to younger people or in libraries want to hide the Holocaust. And so the question is, have you read something? I say the book, I mean the content of the book, mm-hmm. not just the physical presence. Yeah. The reading of it that has caused you anxiety, fear, taught you something you think you, you shouldn't have known or didn't know how to deal with? Didn't know how to deal with. Book ever taught me something I didn't know how to deal with? The big question. Well, I'm trying what does to it mean to deal with something? Well, what I'm trying to figure out is what are parents afraid of for somebody to read something? That It's the fear that it will expose their children to ideas that are different than the ones that they themselves hold. I've never read a book that made me feel like I wanted to do something wrong. I have read books that have changed my perspective on what is right and what is wrong by exposing me to new perspectives and ideas. Something that I might have thought was a good thing or a right thing earlier, and then I read something and I'm like, oh... From this perspective, this isn't a very good thing to do. Maybe this is actually a good thing to do. So I, in the parent's eyes, if you didn't read the book, you're looking at this and you're saying, my child is doing something wrong. But it's the shift in perspective that's the fear. Yeah, I don't know how it can be wrong. I'm just having trouble figuring out, like inculcation is what I worry about. If people- What does that mean? Means that you are allowed to read only certain things and these things- have a value system, and that you're you're in an environment in a society that says this is truth, and you almost get punished for not following it. So maybe I'm saying I am confused and looking to you, young lady, to help me understand why anybody would want to hide books. Yeah, I'm okay with age appropriate, though I don't know how to make exactly those decisions. Yes, it should. Some things we hope. Parents would do talk to the kids about, but kids are going to find out about everything. It's whether it's books or not, and they're usually from each other. I just don't get this. I think the part of it is there's like this. I made some friends freshman year with some like evangelical people. It was it was interesting. Anyways, 
and like it's this attitude of like doing x is morally wrong and that they will not like this attitude of like not consuming media where people do the thing because to consume media where people do the thing is to essentially condone the behavior and saying i'm just watching this movie where people do this thing that i don't think is okay but that then that's basically me saying i think that thing is okay to do it's it's this moral system that like says consuming media where people do the thing is you basically as bad as you doing the thing itself so right so if there's a book about someone has an abortion and you think abortion is immoral but in the book it's not you're afraid that your child might adopt the view that it's not and you want your kids to only think the way you think yes that's exactly what it is You know, only think the way I think. I want them, yeah. As opposed to the end, uh, that I find that that whole thing, I don't even know how the words are. You know, like, what do you even word, do when, in, when you're faced with this, right? Yeah. How do you reconcile these two worldviews? I want to jump in and say my view is that the responsibility for raising one's children and helping them see the world in a moral or practical way is what parenting is often about. Yes. And that the best way to do that is to let them to be learn how to be able to be a good advocate for a perspective and your beliefs. So it actually takes me back to, you know, I love you and Zach and all my grandchildren and Joanna and Sydney. Because they've watched you watch your parents, which are our kid children, you're at least your dad, and you know, grow up with values we taught them and it's how we live our lives that teaches. Right. Not the media we consume. And not the media you consume. In fact, we have to be able to explain and understand and say why, well, you know, bowing down to people and to other idols is not consistent with our faith tradition. And here's why. Yes. And so this movement to demand only certain ideas be taught is fodder for, first of all, it shows weakness in those who advocate for it. Yeah, because it's like, if you can't successfully argue or articulate your values and explain to your child, hey, you saw this thing, but this we don't do it that way, and, and here's why. And if you're unable to do that, that's, that's kind of on you. Exactly. <laughs> That's what exactly. I do. Like, if you should be able to be like, your child sees a thing that happens, and you're like, listen, that's not how we roll. And here is why. And your kid's like, it's on you to explain these things to your children. That's all. I, I, want, I want to go back to say how much I love to hear you say you're, you are excited to meet new people. You like traveling to, I mean, it's not just voyeurism, I don't think. It's really about, from what I hear, getting to... And you're young, getting new experiences and learning from different people. And But isn't the issue, do you have the capacity to make good decisions for yourself and to know when you need to sort of check things out? Or, I mean, every young person experiments with things. There's nothing we can do about that other than maybe let them have a relationship such that if, if they are doing it and need help, they know how to ask for it. They're not afraid, well, if I go to you with it, I'll be punished so badly, so I can't. And then they get deeper into whatever bad thing they may be trying out. I don't know. I feel like I'm lecturing now. <laughs> but- oh, it's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a different attitude towards parenting towards, like, this is what I think is right. And I will, if you deviate from what I believe is right, I will punish you versus 
sort of like being a guide and being someone who offered advice and wisdom. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and then you know we come back. You can almost bring that all back to Yom Kippur because it gives us a time, me a time. Hopefully, you now at twenty, maybe even if you were your 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 brother who was seventeen or how old is that? Yeah, he's seventeen. Seventeen. I think you guys are old enough to sit down and reflect on your year, see how you you've been navigating. What did you learn? What do you need to do differently? Is there something we've done to? Would that perhaps unfair or hurt somebody that we can? I used to question it. It's so perfunctory sometimes, you know, where we say, when the theory is that we we need to apologize and give forgiveness those we may have hurt, that it becomes so routine that you send out a letter to everybody. I have I ever hurt you? I make a Facebook post. Listen, if I did something, <laughs> my apologies, and then it's just like bam, you, you know. It, one level, if we simply reflected on on being better next year, and that's a form of acknowledging that that may not be as bad as it frustrated me. I think it's good that people made me think here. And in reality, as we think back, if anything we've done, I you know I know part of me right now, and it's an interesting theoretical question, but we know the world should know that I have early stage Alzheimer's, and sometimes it's in my play. Too, I get agitated, and I'm okay. not a good man in relation to your grandma, my wife. So I need how to work on being less that way. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's provoked by disease is an interesting moral question, and yet I need definitely. To, yet I need to be better at doing that. So mm-hmm. it's always nice to have a time of year, you know, like people. A lot of people should do it at, at secular New Year's. Although I think secular New Year is tuned into simply, you know, time for big parties. It's okay. It's okay to have time for big parties, but but there should also be time for reflection and also time for quality. Yeah. Yom Kippur is designed for that, though, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It's designed for really, and, you know, it's almost an art to find out how to do that well. It's not easy. And not take it as just a, well, that's what I want to do. That's what I have to do. Anyway, so yeah. big, big question, Emily. Are you going to fast? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, yeah. People said maybe they can hear their voice. Oh, no. I gotta yeah. Fast. Yeah. Well, well um, we try. We try. We're pretty good usually in getting that done. And that, yeah, and the reason is it sort of helps us not think about anything, just being present, being present in our lives and trying to be the best people we can be over the coming year. Yeah. Uh, Just think. Think day. Maybe it's also a good way to start every new semester in college. No. No. <laughs> That's not. No. No. <laughs> so you're saying you were hoping to travel? When is that going to be? This will be spring semester. Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, let me let you go. Would this be a brief pre Yom Kippur Jewish Irish? It's a brief, a brief podcasting time. Grandpa thinks deep. Emily was thinking deep today too. Yeah, we, we did some good thinking today. All right. We'll we'll be back to the audience in a couple of weeks. So, alrighty. Have an easy fast again. And uh, thank you. We'll see our audience in a couple of weeks.
See you all in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.